As is our new custom um, this year, I'm still taking requests for psalms. I've kind of pulled back and wanted to preach some of the the psalms that I was eager to preach the last uh, couple of months, and then this being Reformation Sunday, I wanted to preach Psalm 46, which is also known as Luther's Hymn, because Luther wrote this hymn. But uh, if you have any requests for psalms, uh, please do let me know, because I I think um, I'll take requests from from here on out for a while, rather than preempting and and, uh, preaching my favorite psalm. So we're doing typically the last Sunday of every month, uh, a psalm uh, breaking up uh, the Gospel of Luke as we are going through the Gospel of Luke otherwise. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would uh, help me to proclaim this psalm and point uh, us to um, you as our very present help. Help help me to point um, us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God with us, Emmanuel. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Many believe that Psalm 46 was written just after Israel was delivered from an enemy that tried to lay siege to Jerusalem. And I agree with that view. Uh, the most likely invasion that fits this view is a serious invasion of Judah around the year 700-701 B.C. And you can read about this invasion in Isaiah 36 and 37. Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, invaded Judah, and he conquered all the fortified cities um, in Judah except for Jerusalem. When Assyria came to Jerusalem, the Assyrian spokesperson, uh, Rabshakeh, taunted God. He walked up to the, to the city walls. He yelled up uh, to Hezekiah's uh, envoy. And he uh, taunted God. He tried to provoke the people of Israel to rebel against King Hezekiah. And open the gates so that they would not need to lay siege to to Jerusalem. Uh, Assyria withdrew temporarily. But then Sennacherib sent a letter to Hezekiah mocking the Lord. Telling Hezekiah to surrender the city. And uh, Assyria with all their hordes of soldiers uh, came streaming uh, toward Jerusalem. Hezekiah, in response to receiving this letter, spread the letter before the Lord. And here's his prayer. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. 
Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. To make a long story short, God responded by saying, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. How did God defend his city? It says in the scriptures that the Lord sent the angel of the Lord and uh, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 soldiers in the camp of the Assyrians. And then it says, when the people arose early in the morning, behold, there were all those dead bodies. Psalm 46 is often called Martin Luther's psalm. Martin Luther wrote the hymn that we sang at the beginning of the service, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's based on Psalm 46. Luther wrote it because he often felt besieged by enemies of the gospel. And because of Luther and his writings, all of Europe was in a turmoil. And there was trouble raging all around Martin Luther his whole life from the moment he became a Christian. And then it increased when he nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door. But God was always Martin Luther's refuge and strength. God was always Martin Luther's very present help in trouble. I'm not going to tell you the story of Martin Luther's conversion this morning. I'm not going to explain how he nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door. We've done that uh, plenty of times over the past few years. Rather, I'm going to list some of Martin Luther's troubles as we are observing Reformation Day today. At a public debate in Leipzig, uh, and of course this is in Germany, Martin Luther was German. So in a public debate in Leipzig in 1519, Luther declared that a simple layman armed with the scriptures was superior to both pope and councils. And then he was threatened uh, with the excommunication. In 1521, Paul, uh, Luther was called to uh, the assembly at Worms to appear before Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, where he was put on trial and commanded to recount his views. If he would not, he would likely be burned at the stake. Here was Luther's response. Unless I can be instructed and convinced with evidence from the Holy Scriptures or with open, clear, and distinct grounds of reasoning, then I cannot and will not recant because it is neither safe nor wise to act against conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Luther was convicted as a heretic, but he managed to escape with the help of Frederick III, who was the elector of Saxony. 
and Luther spent the, almost the next decade, uh, I'm sorry, the next year, and then further on, almost a decade, hidden away at uh, Wurtenberg uh, Castle, where he spent his time translating the New Testament into the German language. Luther's writings were sent out into all Europe, and everywhere his writings went, it brought upheaval uh, to the different nations. Unrest was everywhere. Religious wars were started, and Luther bore the burden of many people being killed because of his writings. But he knew it was the gospel. What could he do? Furthermore, Luther spent the last 15 years of his life in poor physical health and in great physical pain. He especially struggled with kidney stones, as my wife had been struggling with. And praise the Lord, the, the doctor just said she this week that she is free and clear. But along with that and along with his other ailments, he lived in great physical pain. Uh, Luther wrote to his wife, For more than three days, not one little drop of water has passed from me. I had no rest, nor did I sleep, and I was unable to retain any drink or food. He's talking about the kidney stones here. In summary, I was dead. I commended you, together with the little ones, to God and to my glorious Lord, since I thought that I would never see you again in this mortal life. And those of you who have had kidney stones, you can sympathize with what he meant. And you likely had them with some pain relievers that he did not have at his disposal. But time and time again, Luther fled inside the safe walls of his faith in God. And he found God always to be his refuge and strength, his very present help in trouble. While Luther fled to God for refuge... He trusted that God would do the fighting for him. And God did fight. He conquered whole nations by the powerful gospel of grace through faith. It's not surprising that a mighty fortress is our God became the battle hymn of the Reformation. Psalm 46 has been a favorite hymn of the church ever since. The church of Christ has always been beset by enemies. The church has always needed to flee to God for refuge while trusting in God to go to battle for her. Psalm 46 has been a favorite also for individual Christians for the same reasons. Life is filled with troubles and dangers. Even if there are no physical enemies, Satan is an ongoing foe. Plus, we live in a world broken by sin. Romans 8 says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our world is filled with hardships, with debilitating sicknesses, with accidents, with heartache, with grief. Our world is filled with sinners like you and me. People will sin against us. And it will cause deep grief. We will sin against others and it will cause them grief and it will cause us grief. And then the nations. The nations are ruled by sinners who will take uh, advantage of whole populations and create unnecessary wars. And then, with all this, you add on top of the fact That death is always pursuing us and is always pursuing our loved ones. Brothers and sisters, our world is filled with hardships and pain. Living here in this world is not easy. Sometimes it can seem as if the world is giving way. That everything becomes unstable. That our lives can roar and foam with anxiety. When you are lying in a hospital bed, waiting for a doctor to visit you and give you possibly a life-changing diagnosis. Of course, the doctors at that point are always about two or three hours late, right? And it feels as if earthquakes and tsunamis are raging in your soul. It can feel as if your whole world is out of sorts. And that's what the psalmist is saying here in the first three verses of um, Psalm 46. He reminds us, first of all, our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then he says why this is important. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling. In other words, there is disaster. There is hardship in this life. But there is also God. God is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in trouble. A refuge is a shelter from disaster. It's a shelter from the hostility of enemies. A fortress is a fortified city into which we can flee when our enemies are hot on our tails and the doors can be closed behind us and we're kept safe. Psalm 46 employs many images of God as our warrior king who is continually present with his people and is fighting for us. He is likened to a river that provides for the city while it is under siege. While under siege, Jerusalem had a secret weapon. There was an underground spring that fed the city. And the the spring was called the, uh, the Spring of Gihon. It flowed underground and into the pool of Siloam. And I believe this river is being referred to in verse 4. And so he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. 
The imagery here is that God provides for his people even while they are most fiercely attacked by their enemies. The Assyrians came and surrounded the city. But Jerusalem was not in danger of running out of water because the the Gihon Spring was flowing through and into the pool of Siloam. I believe this river in verse 4 also not only points to this spring, but it points ahead to the Holy Spirit who is the river of the water of life that flows within believers. No matter where a believer goes, no matter how dire the circumstances, no matter how fierce the foe, God is very present with His people because the Holy Spirit has made our heart His home. The Holy Spirit empowers us to trust in God when the battle is raging. He makes us more than conquerors through Him who loves us. He holds us steadfast under trial. James chapter 1 verse 12. He will never leave us or forsake us. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. Verses 5 through 7 picture our God as our warrior king who gives us the victory. Verses 5 through 7, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our God doesn't stay behind the battle lines while we do all the fighting. He marches out in the midst of His people so that as we fight, we can rally around Him. In the battle, we will not be moved because God is in our midst. Imagery in the second half of verse 5 harkens back to Exodus chapter 14 verse 27 when God calls the Red Sea to collapse back upon the chariots of Egypt that were pursuing God's people. Remember it says in in Exodus 14, 7, that as the morning dawned, the people looked and they saw the bodies of the dead Egyptians floating in the Red Sea. And I think it very intentionally says uh, here in... um, In verse 5, God will help her when the morning dawns. Hearkening back to that. But also, I think, hearkening to uh, the Assyrian uh, invasion. The same thing happened. God sent the angel of the Lord into the camp of the Assyrians. And the angel of the Lord killed 186,000 Assyrians. And then it says, when morning dawned, behold, there were all those dead bodies. And so I believe, as this is written in the wake of God delivering God's people from the Assyrians, I think the the writer of Psalm 46 is drawing a parallel between um, the Assyrian deliverance and the Egyptian deliverance. Verse 6, the nations may rage against God and against His people, but God utters His voice 
and melts all his enemies in a moment. We live in turbulent times today. There's a lot of turmoil. There are wars, rumors of wars. Psalm 46 is no less true today. Our God is in control of all the nations. He considers them as a drop in the bucket. He does with them according to His will. Verse 7 says that God is the God of hosts, or the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Hebrew word for host is Sabaoth. It has nothing to do with the Sabbath day. Uh, As we've seen, a a mighty fortress is our God. And uh, Lord Sabaoth is his name. It's saying, it's Luther saying, quoting the original Hebrew, saying that God is the Lord of hosts. Host is another name for many soldiers. God is the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of many soldiers. So Martin Luther in a mighty fortress says, Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name from age to age the same. And He must win the battle. Second part of verse 7 calls God the God of Jacob. And he says that God is our fortress. He says the God of Jacob to emphasize God's fatherly care of his people. He's the God of our fathers. And he gathers his people under his protection. He gathers them into his fortress, which is impregnable. And then he, as he gathers his people under his protection, he fights for his people. And he wins the battle. Through it all, the psalmist most wants us to remember that God is always with us. Especially when it feels like he's most absent. Verse 1, God is a very present help in trouble. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. And again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. God is with us. Emmanuel, you have troubles. You have hostilities. You have impossible tragedies that have befallen you. You also have God. He is always with you. And so verses 8 through 11, the psalmist gives us an invitation. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord. The Israelites were invited to look upon the dead bodies of the Egyptians floating in the Red Sea. And behold the works of the Lord. The citizens of Jerusalem were invited to walk among the 186,000 dead bodies of the Assyrians and behold the works of the Lord. But the Israelites, sadly, were always tempted to trust in other things before they trusted in God. And God would not allow an idol or an image to be made of him. But the Israelites thought, if I can just see an image or touch an idol, 
It'll make me feel more secure. Today in our age, we're tempted to trust in money. We're tempted to trust in medicine. We're tempted to trust in doctors and technology. And we could go on and on. The things that we trust in before we trust in God. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when they become the object of our trust, we're not trusting in the Lord. What does faith in God look like? As he's calling us in verses 8 through 11 to trust in him, to behold the works of the Lord, to see his desolations on the earth. What does faith in God look like? Verse 10 gives us a picture He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Faith in God, if you were restless, means being still and resting in Him. Where does your faith rest when your life is roaring and foaming? Like in verses 2 and 3. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. When life is difficult, it is easy to forget the Lord. Remember Him. Especially when life is difficult. When you are being pressed upon. When you are feeling anxious. Remember Him. He is sufficient for any and every trial that may befall you. Martin Luther, though he wrote his great hymn based on this psalm, toward the end of his life, the last 15 years of his life, sometimes he let his troubles get the best of him. His constant physical pains, plus the attacks that he endured from everywhere, were they were severe. He had so many enemies that he started becoming impatient with them. And Martin Luther, in his writings, in his correspondences with his enemies, and in the, the, the tracts that he would put out for publication, sometimes he would result to to insulting them and calling them very vulgar names. Uh, You don't hear much about this because Christians, of course, like remembering his greatness. Uh, Additionally, the things he wrote about his enemies sometimes were so crude and indecent that Christian biographers just can't bring themselves to repeat it. But this illustrates for us that the the battle is real. The suffering we are called to endure is not imaginary. But God is sufficient. He loves us. He loves us so much that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to stand in our place and bear our sin in order that we might become His children. I've quoted Spurgeon before uh, where Spurgeon says, It looks like God loves us more than He loves His Son Jesus because He sent His his Son Jesus to the cross in order that we might be saved. And then Spurgeon follows it up by saying, 
He may not love us more than He loves His Son, but it's equally true that He loves us no less. Such is His love for us that He sent His Son to the cross poured His wrath out on His Son in order that we might be forgiven, in order that we might be made righteous, in order that everything that that could stand between us and God would be removed by Jesus so that we could be adopted as His dearly loved children. The Apostle Paul reasoned, if God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Do you feel the weight of that argument? He didn't spare His Son. Therefore, you know that God will always be your refuge when you need Him. That He will always be your fortress. That He will be your ever-present help in trouble. That the Lord of hosts, the Lord of mighty armies of soldiers will be with you. The God of Jacob will always be your fortress. Do you feel the weight of that argument? If you do, Psalm 46 will make sense to you. Whatever is happening, wherever you find yourself, God is your refuge, your very present help in trouble as we pray together. Lord Jesus, You are indeed Lord Sabaoth. You have already won the battle because You crushed Satan's head when You rose gloriously from the dead. We thank You that You love us so much. We thank You that You are our refuge, our fortress, our ever-present help in trouble. Lord, I know that there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning who are suffering greatly. God, I ask that You would draw near to them. I pray that You would help them to appropriate, to take to themselves every promise here in Psalm 46. And Lord, as we are the church militant, the church marching forward for the kingdom of Christ, I pray that you would help us to rest in you, to be still and know that you are God, that you are in the midst of us, that you are fighting for us, and that you will win every battle because you have already won the war. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.